Welcome to Through the Bible with Dr. Buddy Walls. Today's Bible lesson is, uh, the title of it is The Natural and the Spiritual. So remember this as you study your Bible, that it's always, as far as man is concerned, the natural and then the spiritual. So we're going to be going to Genesis chapter 4 verse 2. Genesis chapter 4 verse 2. We have Cain the natural and his brother Abel is going to be the spiritual. Genesis chapter 4 verse 2. And Abel was a keeper of the sheep. In other words, a shepherd. But Cain was a tiller of the ground or a farmer. Uh, and evidently he had, he had no livestock. And in the process of time, now let's stop right there because the Hebrew indicates that what happened was that God had instructed this little family, Adam, Eve, Cain, and Abel, on how to approach him. In other words, God didn't just send them out of the garden and let them fend for themselves. God still has their spiritual needs at heart. So after a time of instruction, when he had made it so plain as to what they must do to gain fellowship with himself. And again, remember the premises that we've been holding up. There had to be a blood sacrifice, and it had to be accompanied with faith. Now, as you know, by now I'm always reviewing, so what's our definition of faith? Simply taking God at his word. Now let's look at these two young men. We find Cain is now farming, raising things from the ground, and his brother Abel, Abel is a herder of sheep. Look, look at uh, Genesis chapter 4, verse 3. Genesis chapter 4, verse 3. And in process of time, God had told them plainly what they must do. It came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground and offering unto the Lord. In other words, the things that he had worked for by the sweat of his brow, whether he brought a bundle of grain or whether he put a bouquet of flowers together or various flowers of sorts and vegetables, we don't know. But we do know it was definitely a sacrifice of, of things that he had raised from tilling the ground. Look at Genesis chapter 4, verse 4. Genesis 4, 4. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings, or of the best, of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. Do you see those two different sacrifices? Cain's sacrifice is one that cannot shed blood. It is something that grew from the ground. Abel, on the other hand, brings the best of his flocks of blood sacrifice. Now let's read verse 5. Genesis chapter 4, verse 5. But unto Cain and to his offering, he, another word God, had not respect, and Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. Now I want to go uh, back to the book of Hebrews chapter 11 just for a moment. Hebrews chapter 11, beginning in verse 4. By faith, in other words, by taking God at his word, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. By, in other words, by that faith, not by that sacrifice. 
which he obtained witness that he was righteous. Now, that word righteous, too many people shrink from it and uh, think I've got to be holier than thou and walk around like I have a halo on my head. And that's not what righteous means. Righteous just simply means that now we've been put on a footing with God that we can communicate with him. And God has declared us right with himself. Hebrews 11, chapter 11, verse 4. By which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying. See, Abel didn't have to go back and brag. God had now made it clear that Abel had made himself accepted with God, and even though sin had made its mark, yet by virtue of his faith and obedience and sacrifice, Abel was right with God. Now, what about Cain? Let's come back in Genesis 4, and I'm always amazed how many people who have been in church all their life have never caught why Abel's sacrifice was accepted and Cain was not. Look at Genesis chapter 4, verse 5. Genesis chapter 4, verse 5. But Cain, but unto Cain and his offering he had not respect, and Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. See, it's just like the human race today. Mankind has not changed a bit. When people are shown from the Word of God that they're out in left field with whatever they may be, may be practicing, what's their first reaction? Oh, they get mad. And the first thing that struck Cain when God rejected his offering was that. Well, why not? And he got angry. But you see... God is so gracious and so kind. God doesn't just go ahead and zap Cain, but rather he pleads with him. So let's look at it now in verse 6. Genesis chapter 4, verse 6. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth or angry? And why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? Did you know that God is saying to Cain, Cain, if you would just listen to what I say and do what I tell you to do, then I'd accept you. See, here we boil down to the man of faith in Abel and a man destitute of faith in Cain. Abel, remember, he remembered what God had said to do to be accepted. And what was that? Believe me, bring me a blood sacrifice and I'll accept you. Abel did it. Why? He believed what God had said. Cain, on the other hand, rationalized. Now he's a farmer and doesn't have a flock of sheep. Now you can kind of picture that maybe on the other side of the mountain was Abel with his sheep. And Cain said, There's no reason I should make my way over that mountain and barter with my brother and Abel for one of his sheep. Surely if I do the very best I can, if I put together the most beautiful sacrifice for God, surely he will accept it. But you see that rationalizing and not doing what God said to do? Now think about it. Isn't that what the vast majority of people are doing today? Instead of coming into the Bible and seeing what God clearly says through the Apostle Paul in this age of grace, 
What we have to believe for salvation is found in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4, and Romans 10, 9 through 10. They rationalize and say, well, look, if I do such and such or live in such and such a way or uh, such behavior pattern, surely God will accept me. Listen, God is not going to accept that person any more than he did Cain. It has to be God's way. Now, let's quickly finish verse 7, and we're going to see God is going to go one step further, as he always does. And, and now he tells Cain, look at Genesis chapter 4, verse 7. Genesis chapter 4, verse 7. The Bible says, If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, in other words, if you want to go yourself and find a sacrificial animal and bring it to me, I'll go one step further. The Bible says, Sin life, or a sin offering, life at the door. The same Hebrew word for sin is the same Hebrew word for sin offering. And if you put that in verse 7, and I'm not the only one that does that, but if you read it like this, the Lord said, If you doeth not well, a sin offering life at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. Now, the best illustration I can give here is, remember when Abraham was going to offer Isaac and God stopped him, but Abraham still had to have a sacrifice? But what had God provided for that sacrifice right behind him? A ram. A ram was caught in a thicket. God had provided it, and he had done the same thing here. He's telling Cain in so many words, Cain, if you go back home, right at your tent door, I provided a lamb. That lamb is not going to argue with you or run away from you, and that lamb will come to you. And all you have to do is pick it up, bring it to me, and I'll accept you. Now, isn't that plain? But does Cain do it? No. Because Cain is like so many are today, self-willed and Cain doesn't believe a thing that God says I also use the same word of Esau as well as Cain they were destitute of faith they just could not believe what God said now did I make that plain enough why was Abel accepted and Cain rejected because Abel brought a blood sacrifice and Cain brought a bloodless sacrifice Cain brought what he thought God would accept. Now, bringing it into our own present time. Look at people all around us, and you can ask them why God should let them into his heaven, and you'll get all different answers because they're trying to rationalize and refusing to just simply consider what God said, and when we do what God says that's faith. I want to briefly go over this again, what we've been through in Genesis chapter 4, verse 1. Remember, Abel brought a blood sacrifice that required by God's instructions, and God accepted it, and Abel came right back in the right relationship with his God. However, Cain brings a bloodless sacrifice, that which was self-will, and God rejected it. 
We then uh, found Cain got angry, and God came back and said, But Cain, I've already provided the lamb for you to sacrifice. If you will only go to your tent door, pick it up, bring it, and I'll accept you. And still Cain would not do so as he was told. Now to get our minds kind of cleared as to why some people seemingly can never get these things in the place that they can believe it, let's go back again before we go any further. Look at Hebrews chapter 11, the great faith chapter, and look at verse 4. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, now, why was Abel's sacrifice accepted? His faith, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. Now, come on over in chapter 12, and we're going to pick up that other individual, a man also who morally and in every other way was probably better than his brother Jacob. Just about everyone knows the story of Jacob and Esau, and how that Esau was a hunter and was loved by his father. And when Isaac wanted that deer meal, Esau went out and got it. But in the meantime, Jacob, by trickery, had beaten Esau to the blessing. And remember, earlier in the story, when Esau came in from the field and was all exhausted and hungry, he gave up his spiritual birthright for a bowl of bean soup that Jacob had made. Now... Why would he do such a thing? Because like Cain, he was destitute of faith. What God said concerning the coming of a Redeemer through the line of Abraham meant nothing to Esau. But Jacob, the rascal that he was, evidently had enough of a concept of what God said he would do that Jacob could believe it. So Jacob was a man of faith and Esau was not. Remember what else the Bible says. God loved Jacob and hated Esau. How could God hate someone? Because the Bible says so. There are preachers that don't believe that. I happen to believe the Bible. Look, man is not the measure of things. God is. If we tell unbelievers God loves you, and then there, then there is no need of a mediator. God loves them anyway, then there is no enmity between God and man. That would make peace between the unbeliever and God and no reconciliation. That is a false gospel. False gospel can cause a false salvation. Now we know that Jesus died for the whole world. He loves everyone as far as salvation is offered to everyone. Look at Hebrews chapter 12 beginning in verse 16. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. For you know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he would reject it. In other words, just like Cain. For he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. Now, that verse is hard to comprehend until you can understand that even though Esau wept because he missed receiving the blessing, yet he never got to the place that he could understand why he missed the blessing. And why did he miss it? 
because he could not believe what God had said. Esau was a man who had no faith. And again, I always have to bring all these things up to our own contemporary time. How many people have we got all around us who are good people, I mean morally good people, and their emotions are stirred, but they just simply cannot believe what God has said to believe for salvation, for their salvation, as we find in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4, and Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 10. So where are they? They're out there in disobedience and trying to make their own way, usually under the law of Moses. They're like Esau or Cain. They are destitute of faith. They just cannot accept what God has told the Apostle Paul concerning salvation for the church age, which we are part of now. Now then, let's come back to Genesis chapter 4 and carry on. So now we see that Cain is still carrying that rebellious attitude with him, and now he is filled with that four-letter word, envy, E-N-V-Y. What's he envious of? Oh, the fact that Abel is now right with God and he is not? There's nothing else that has come between these two brothers except this one fact. So now Cain become envious. Do you realize that you cannot break a single one of the Ten Commandments without first being guilty of envy? Envy had destroyed the churches. Let's look at that in Romans uh, Roman chapter 7 for a moment, where Paul is having this great battle. You remember that? And you know the concept here is that Paul makes it so plain. He said, the things I would, I don't, and the things that I should do, I don't. So he's got this great controversy within himself. But now in verse 7 he says this. Romans chapter 7 verse 7. He said, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? In other words, is there something wrong with the law? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin. In other words, for what it really is. But by the law, for I had not known lust except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. So think about that in the next few days as you go about your daily work and see if there is anything in the Ten Commandments that you can uh, can break without coveting. There's not one. Everything that is in our relationship with God, so far as our disobedience is concerned, is always triggered by coveting or envy or jealousy and it can just eat at the inner being of people, then pretty soon it comes to the surface. Now come on back to the book of Genesis chapter 4. You see that it's, that's exactly what happened to Cain. Oh, he became so envious of Abel's relationship with God. The very fact that God accepted him, and, and instead of just going back to God in obedience, what does he do? He lets that envy eat him and eat until finally Cain settles this jealousy with his brother by killing him. Look at Genesis chapter 4, verse 8. Genesis chapter 4, verse 8. And Cain talked with his Abel, his brother. He didn't just talk with Abel, but rather he confronted him. And it came to pass, when they were in the field, that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. Now, 
Over the 30 years I've been teaching, I've developed a few little cliches, I call them, that I use over and over, and one of them is this. Sin begets sin. Once we get down that road of sin, another sin just follows naturally. Sin begets sin, and that's what happened here. What was Cain's first sin? A lack of faith. He could not believe what God said was true. After that sin followed, what followed? Envy, jealousy. Now his envy and jealousy actually come to the place where he commits a still more terrible sin when he murdered his brother. Now look at verse 9, Genesis chapter 4, verse 9. And the Lord said unto Cain, Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I, am I my brother's keeper? So then Cain lied. And what's a lie? Another sin. See, he just keeps piling them up. Always remember, sin begets sin. We will sometimes tell a lie to cover up a lie. So the best thing to do is not to sin to begin with. I want to ask you more and more questions before I close here. Are you 100% sure that you're going to heaven? Now, if you said you're about 99% sure, guess what? That's not going to work. Did you know the Bible wants you to be sure? It says in First uh, John five thirteen that you may know that you have eternal life. God wants you to know that you have eternal life, and all you have to do to receive that is to first repent of your sins, first recognize that you are a sinner, and repent of that sin. That means to forsake that sin or give it up. You can uh, repent a thousand times; it won't do you a bit of good until you give it up. You have to forsake the sin. Um, then guess what God does? If you ask Him to come, ask Him to come into your life, He'll save you right there. What's the Bible called? Being born again or being saved? He does exactly what He said He does. If He tells you that He'll He'll accept you on that basis, He will. And then you've got an eternity that you can spend in heaven. You have eternal life. Well, that's the end of this study. Hope you enjoyed. Dr. Buddy signing off.